came up with a title for this sermon today. You see it in the bulletin if you want to pull that out. There's a place for you to take some notes if you want. I hope you do because it's a neat story we're going to look at today with a lot of application for our lives and how to, be, how to make ourselves better, more like Christ, and learn more about him. Uh, Southpaw, all y'all. I was pretty proud of that one. You've heard of Southpaw, haven't you? A left-hander, pitcher, Southpaw. Uh, well, today I'm going to make the case that all of us, all y'all, Southpaw, uh, before I start, though, I, I just want to do a disclaimer. I preached this story one time, and I remember it offended a left-handed person. Just real quick, raise your right hand if you're left-handed. Okay. <laughs> this guy is so intellectual in his sermons, right? <laughs> no offense, okay? I'm going to make the case today, and I'm going to... Uh, use left-handedness metaphorically, okay? So I'm not trying to say if you're left-handed that that's a bad thing. In fact, you'll see that the message about left-handedness today is a great story. Why would anybody be offended? Um, Well, that person was offended because they got offended about everything. So um, just be content to use that left hand to throw tomatoes at me, okay? Let's just agree upon that, all right? I'll tell you what, I'm going to just do this. Uh, I'm going to be left-handed today. I'm going to come way over here. Probably going to offend somebody with this. Oh, it is different. Isn't it different? Kind of weird. It's all right, though, right? Everybody okay? No offense, right? I'll just be really on the left-hand side of the stage, my left hand, and so we'll talk about this neat story because South Paul, all y'all, we're all left-handed. Um... I remember I had a coach, a baseball coach, that made his son go from right-handed to left-handed when he batted. Why? Because the statistics say that you have a higher batting percentage because as you see the ball coming in as a left-hander, that's the way you read lines. You read to the end of the line, switch. Read to the end of the line, switch. So your eyes and your brain have this natural tendency to see the ball better coming in as a left-hander as a right-hander. I don't know. That's what they say. So my coach's son, right-handed in everything, except for when he stepped up to the plate, he was a left-hander. Sometimes left-handed would be good. Did anybody try to get you to be a right-hander when you were a left-hander? Isn't that not fair? So what we're going to say today is there's nothing wrong with being left-handed. It's different, right? Just like me standing over here. It's different, isn't it? It's not bad. It's different. Ready for the story? It's about a fellow named Ehud. I am going to start out in Judges chapter 3. If you got your Bible, you can turn there. I'm going to be in verse 12. Once again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Did you catch that? Once again. I have done the same thing over and over and over that I don't know that God wouldn't be proud of before. The once again, it applies to me. It applies to you as well. Maybe this can help us. Once again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power 
over Israel. This is the story we see over and over in the book of Judges. Getting the Ammonites and the dreaded Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel and they took possession of the city of Palms. And the Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab. Get that, get this, 18 years. 18 years, that's a long time to not be free. So let that sink in a little bit and try to get into the story the best that you can. I know it's ancient. I know it's all clear across the other side of the world. But 18 years of oppression from another king who cares nothing of you and your, your tribe and your nationality and your national pride, you are oppressed. 18 years, King Eglon. I want to show you a map because that's always good, right? It's been a while. Gotta let me break one out here. All right, here we are down here in the bottom. That's Moab. That's one of the countries that the Israelites conquered when they went into the promised land. But God raised him up and gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. You can see how God does these things. God is in complete charge of the rising and falling of nations. God is in complete charge of the strongholds in your life. That stronghold right now that you're struggling with, he can bring it down, crash it down, and make you be stronger over it. He's in charge of those things. He conquered them when they went in, but now he's raised Moab up again. Moab's right down here. You see Ammon right there. That's the Ammonites. And down here, a little off the map, is the Amalekites. And all three of them fellers, led by Eglon, king of Moab, go from Moab, they go right up the Dead Sea right there, and then they turn into the light blue where it says Benjamin, and you see Jericho right there, just on the other side of the Jordan River. You remember that when they went in and conquered that darn promised land, that's the first city they went after, remember? So it's kind of a natural gateway, and it's a stronghold from which you can move out into the promised land and conquer more of it. Oh, no. Eglon has the city of palms. Jericho, down there by the Dead Sea, palm trees all over the place, an oasis. Beautiful city, but we don't own it anymore. The other guys do. So that's what happens. Next verse, verse 15, or excuse me, um, yeah, verse 15. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord as they had always had. And he gave them a deliverer, which is actually the same word as Savior. We'll get to that in a minute. His name was Ehud. He was a left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. That's what they did for 18 years. Tribute to the oppressor. Now Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a foot and a half long. Elbow to the top of your finger. A cubit is what it actually was. Which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. And he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. That's what the Bible says, right? Who was that giggling? <laughs> Gladys. <laughs> very fat man. That'll come into play here in a minute. But first of all, Let's look at, uh, let's go back to our map real quick. Uh, you see where the tribe of Benjamin is. 
I know that you don't know what Benjamin means. I got a little familiarity with that name. I do know what it means. Anybody? Yeah, son of my right hand. Who said it? He gets a dollar. Of course, makes sense. There's only two of us in here. We got to stick together, pal. Benjamin means son of my right hand. And so here you have Ehud, a left-handed man from the tribe of the right hand. That doesn't make that whole lot of sense. He's a little bit of an oddity. He's a little bit different. It's even worse, though. The Hebrew for left-handed in here insinuates strongly that he didn't have the use of his right hand. It didn't work right. That's why he was left-handed. So you have a man from the tribe of the right hand who can't even use his right hand. How about that as a stamp on the forehead for the rest of your life? Because when you and I say, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, we think, oh, there, that light blue one that says Benjamin. But if we were Hebrew, it would be, I'm from the tribe of right hand, while your arm just hangs there. Not good, eh? Could you imagine that God actually used this guy? That's the moral of the story. You're left-handed in some way yourself, friend. God could still use you. In fact, some of the limitations that we think are limitations are the very thing that God wants to use. In fact, some of the things that are limitations in our life often cause us to start engines and start initiatives to try to compensate for those limitations And it's all of that work that we do and all that that we have to overcome that helps us to be a vessel that God uses. So let's not count ourselves out like everybody did with Ehud. Here's a picture of Mel Gibson. It's kind of tough to see, but that's this, a picture from him filming in the movie The Passion of the Christ There's a scene in the movie where you have a hand holding a nail and the nail is poking into the hand of Jesus. And Mel wanted that to be his hand because he knew he had a part in the crucifixion of Jesus like you and I do. But he also says, like the picture says, that I held the nail with my left hand. And he says, I did that because Latin for left is sinistre from where we get our word sinister. Not bad, just different, right? So he held it with his left hand to remind himself that I'm one of the ones who put the nail in. So how does God use Ehud to bring tribute? He's the guy that brings tribute because nobody would ever suspect that this guy who can't even use his right hand would ever be a threat. So he's a non-threatening person to deliver the taxation and the tribute to the very fat man, King Eglon. Pick the story up in the next verse. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace, and he said to the king, I have a message from God for you. 
As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade, and his bowels discharged out of his back. Ehud says did not pull out the sword, but I've read it where he could not pull it out because the fat closed in over the handle of the sword. 18 inches long, it goes in, and he can't get it out. Then Ehud went out the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. While they waited, it's talking about the king's servants, Ehud got away. He passed by the idols and escaped to Syrah. When he arrived there, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with him from the hills With him leading the way. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab, your enemy, of 18 years into your hands. And so they followed him down, taking possessions of the fords of the Jordan that led to Moab. They allowed no one to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong. Not a man escaped. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel. And the land had peace for 80 years. Great story, huh? It would really be neat to see what was going on in the mind of Ehud through all of this. I'm sure all the insecurities were there because he couldn't use his right hand. I'm sure there had to be some bravery, some courage, some welling up, some telling and retelling yourself, you can do it, buddy, you can do it, be brave. There had to be some sort of God. I feel like this is your calling. I feel like this is what you want me to do. You got to be with me. I'd have loved to have seen what was going through his mind. Because probably going through his mind all of his life was just the embarrassment of being from the tribe of the right hand and not even being able to use his. What do you have in your life that's a limitation, that's an embarrassment? That's a humiliation. It just is a nagging, nagging annoyance. What do you have in your life that's a stronghold? Kids, job, something in your past? What's maybe that one event that happened to you long, long ago that's just colored your whole life when it was just a few minutes out of your whole life? What's your left-handedness? It could be the very thing that God uses. All of a sudden, Ehud turns into a leader. And reminiscent of our own Savior, he goes to the hills and he blows the trumpet and he says, Follow me. Follow me. God has given your enemy into your hands. And they followed And they won a convincing victory. And the stronghold of 18 years came down by a man that was different and had limitations. Now, you are behind the eight ball today. Because this messenger up here isn't always the greatest messenger. And he's got some corny idea to come over here onto the left side of the stage to try to get it to come through to you. But you've got to get past me, friend. 
You've got to get past me and you've got to make this story your own today and don't wait. Not tomorrow, today. You have to, like we talked about last week, restructure your thinking to understand who it is and how God uses people. And you got to believe it so you can walk it. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Ah, we got to believe it. God looks at people differently. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. He looked at Ehud differently. Full well of the limitations. But he looks at Ehud and he suspects that Ehud is capable of something that everybody else thought and suspected he would not be. He was the one that brought the tribute because they suspected he would be no threat. Isn't it funny that you and I can't believe that God suspects something good out of us, but yet on the other hand, we, we see ourselves as suspect because of our limitations. We're, we're completely backwards in the way that we look at things. Samuel went to anoint a king. And all six of Jesse's sons went before Samuel. This isn't the one. This isn't the one. This isn't the one. But the little shepherd boy out ten in the sheep, the seventh son, he was the one. They didn't even expect that out of the seven he would even be close to being chosen. This is the way God does things. And you got to believe that what might be strongholds in your life, he's going to bring them down. And he can bring them down. So, if you and I lose faith in God that the strongholds can't come down, we'll also use faith, lose faith in ourselves because we've lost faith in him. We talked about that when we talked about creation. As soon as you start shooting bullets at the foundation of the creation story, you're shooting yourself. Ehud was a deliverer, a savior that nobody suspected. Jesus, placed in a cattle trough, born outside or wherever he was, we don't know for sure. Poor parents, they had to bring doves to his dedication. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? We found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. What? The Bible's pretty clear. There was nothing about his physical appearance that would attract us to him. When he didn't start overthrowing Rome, well, we gave up on that because that's not kind of the Savior we're looking for. But yet, this man, very familiar with sorrows, as you might be, very familiar with life's limitations, as you might be, is the Savior of the universe, just like Ehud. 
We've got to see God's different way of looking at people. South Paul, all y'all. But that makes you ready to go. You fit into God's strategy. I'm going to read it again. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Did you hear it? I know you get the picture of that verse, but it's the very first two words that mean everything. God chose. It's his way of doing this. It's his way. It's his approach. It's his strategy. I think he has fun doing it. And that's beneficial to you and I. Because I'm Benjamin, son of his right hand. But there's a lot of chinks on the resume. I bet you're the same. Do you believe in the creator God that chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong? The world out there doesn't believe that at all. Thinks it's dumb. Thinks it defies common sense. And maybe it does. But that's the God that we have. When you talk about creation, you're in the minority if you believe that, you know. You are in a good minority, a great minority. You got a powerful creating God behind you. Why do you fear? Why are you afraid to believe that? Why are we afraid to talk about it? It's because the stronghold of our society looms so large. It's 18 years of oppression. It's all we know. We've been used to it for 18 years. It's all we know. Where are the ehuds that can reverse this sort of thing because they believe in a Savior God who does things differently? You, friend, you, he looks at you differently than you even look at yourself. He suspects great things from you while you probably look at yourself in suspect. Today it's got to stop, friend. Today it's got to be different. This is the story. It's only just a couple paragraphs, but it's all that we need to know. It's all that we need to know about how God actually does this. The next verse, I'll just remind you because we talked about him last week. Shamgar... He's not part of the chosen people, but yet he was the one that saved the chosen people from the Philistines. Shamgar, a foreigner. He doesn't fit. Ehud, a man from the tribe of right hand who can't even use his right hand. He doesn't fit. But yet God empowered him. He rose up and he saved the people. You don't fit. I don't fit. But God still can, wants to, and chooses to use you and I. Let's pray. God, your devotion to us is... uh, uh, How do we say it? We say it like David in the Psalms. You're, You're so... How are you mindful of us? You sit on the throne of the universe... But yet we are still on your mind. And our betterment is on your mind. Our joy, our fulfillment is on your mind. 
Lord, we just consider. We consider you as the creator of everything we know. Yet you love us more than our mother, our father, our spouse. You glee, you delight in us, God. You know, as parents, we know how to give good gifts. How much more you, Lord, please, let us believe it actually today. Let us dig in, reconstruct our heart, restructure our thinking around the gospel facts that you have given to us today. Lord, we're grateful for the story of Ehud, but we are also reminded in all of it of the deliverer your son was, our Savior, that he was lowly in heart, familiar with suffering, but yet he took all of that on, the joy set before him, and he rose up literally from the dead to be our deliverer, to break down all of the strongholds in our life, to give us freedom from oppression, take away the chains of slavery, to deliver us from our sin. We're grateful, Father. Thank you for this story. Help us make it our own today. In your name we pray, amen.